A large black plume of smoke can be seen billowing up from the North Saanich Marina. A bystander says he heard an explosion just before 4 o'clock and could make out at least two powerboats on fire. Two people have been sent to hospital. One may be in critical condition. No word yet on the cause of the fire. It's Mother's Day, but due to the pandemic, celebrations are very different this year. With safe distancing restrictions in place, many people are unable to visit with their moms the way they'd like to. But as Grace Key reports, that's not stopping them from finding other ways to connect with the women we owe so much to. These mothers may not be able to get the hugs and kisses they deserve. But taking a look at this Mother's Day parade in front of Amica West Vancouver leaves little doubt on how much they're loved. Hi, Grandma! Kate Manderson has been missing the walks and shopping trips with her 86-year-old grandmother since the pandemic started. I'm just hoping that this, you know, makes her heart sparkle and knows how loved she is and everybody in the building who is a mother, especially today, and just knows that we're here to support all the mothers and just to make sure that they all feel loved. Care centers are doing what they can on Mother's Day. At Three Links Care Society in Vancouver, 86-year-old Dorothy had a very special visit. She saw her grandson for the first time. My mom really wanted us to come around the corner and, you know, come in, but we weren't allowed. So that part, you know, I'm looking forward to this all being over so we can actually be able to give her a hug and, you know, kiss her. Awesome, thanks. At Butter Baked Goods, if you can't take your mom out to her favorite spot for tea, you can bring high tea to her. Either a cupcake or a donut. The choice is up to her. It will be the composting machines for the, whatever's left over. <laughs> Mother's Day afternoon tea at Butter is, is a love tradition. So, so people were very appreciative that we were able to offer that to go. And uh, yeah, and, and as a result, I think that really we've done probably double what we would have done in a seated situation. At Calvary Worship Center in Surrey, volunteers and pastors greeted mothers with a smile and a wave thanks to a Mother's Day drive through I am loving it. Look at all these beautiful faces. I miss them all so much. People showed their love and appreciation to their mothers and grandmothers the best way they could during a pandemic at a safe distance. Grace Key, Global News. A new report says there's been an increase in violence against Indigenous women. The spike is raising concerns about a plan in June to give more details on missing and murdered Indigenous women. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says he's working on a government response to the inquiry. The Native Women's Association says more Indigenous women are facing violence from their partners as stay-home restrictions remain in place. As B.C. prepares to reopen its economy, there are calls for streets to be closed to vehicles temporarily to allow pedestrians much-needed space in order to give businesses a boost. Kristen Robinson has more on the challenges Robson Street retailers are facing and how repurposing public space may help them to survive. Normally bustling Robson Street now boarded up. Visitors taking photos with the murals designed to inspire hope as businesses struggle to survive. In my 35-year career, we have never seen anything like this before. I have not. The Blue Horizon Hotel opened for first responders during the pandemic. Its restaurant remains closed. We absolutely have a lot of uncertainty. We're waiting for some guidance to know what physical distancing is going to look like moving forward. Retailers also facing a downtown with no international tourism, conventions or sporting events this year. 
prompting suggestions that Robson Street be closed to vehicle traffic this summer. A novel idea, but the Business Association says it would create challenges around rerouting buses, hotel access, and deliveries. It'll be interesting. I think we just need to to really look at how we can use our public space to maximize whatever it is that we can do for, for our retailers and restaurants. Robson already has parklets, and parking spaces are being used for a social distancing queue in front of London Drugs. Other options include repurposing side streets and expanding commercial use into laneways. So restaurants, for sure, we could see some curbside patios uh, coming to Robson Street. There's not a restaurant in the universe that can make it at 50% capacity. The industry associations representing more than 14,000 hospitality businesses have written to BC municipalities requesting help with flexible and expedited patio permitting. So say, look, you know, if you've got dead space, there's roadways or sidewalks that aren't being used right now, is allow these businesses to expand their occupancy onto, uh, you know, into the public on the outside. While the city of Vancouver says there are no plans to close ramps into vehicles, it will look at where road space can be reallocated to support businesses on shopping streets. Kristen Robinson, Global News. And while there are no current plans to turn Robson Street into a pedestrian mall, the city is looking at ways to make Vancouver more pedestrian-friendly. Council will be voting on a motion to reallocate road space during the pandemic and possibly beyond. Paul Johnson has that part of the story. We still don't know the totality of the damage the coronavirus pandemic will bring to urban life in B.C. One Vancouver City councillor, though, is pitching an idea to lessen it and possibly create a new kind of street culture in the future. It's really focused on uh, expediting measures to create more space for people to move around in our streets. Lisa Dominato's proposed motion calls for city staff to investigate the reallocation of road space in certain places. One example might be East Van's Wall Street near Dundas, where traffic would be restricted to locals only. Cyclists and joggers could use more of the road space making social distancing with pedestrians on the sidewalks easier. We're getting into the great weather right now. People are wanting to get out. Dr. Henry said that's okay, but we need to ensure people have space to move, and we're seeing uh, greater use of our greenways and bikeways. Other possible reallocations could happen next to parks or some of the busy greenways like 37th Avenue or Ontario Street. The concept could also be employed in retail districts, helping struggling restaurants by allowing for sidewalk patios and more sidewalk queuing space for retail customers. Dominato says the idea is still embryonic, but if Vancouver emerges from the pandemic with more European-style public spaces, it could be a popular change for the city. I was hearing from the public that they are saying we want to get out, but we're finding it's busy. We want to safely distance ourselves, but we also want to get some physical activity. The other thing I also heard is that now we're moving into reopening the economy. We heard that from Premier Horgan this week. So what does that mean for our businesses? The motion is expected to be brought to City Council Tuesday with a possible vote on Wednesday. Paul Johnson, Global News. A controversial Fraser Valley School Board trustee is under fire once again. 
It's over his Facebook post made by Chilliwack's Barry Neufeld. In it, he attacks the World Health Organization for, quote, spreading fears over the coronavirus. He also makes the suggestion that Canada's chief public health officer, Theresa Tam, may be transgendered and, if so, has been deceiving Canadians and should therefore not be trusted. The Chilliwack School Board chair is asking that Neufeld remove the post. To suggest that someone is a liar... Um, based on whether they're transgender or not, is very, um, very troubling. And um, is, is, I mean, is, is just, it's, is in line with some of the other comments he's made where um, he's referred to uh, parents who support transgender people as possibly being um, uh, child abusers, etc. So, the Chilliwack School Board will be meeting to discuss Newfeld's Facebook post. Education Minister Rob Fleming says he's looking to take the issue to the Human Rights Commission tomorrow. He also called Newfeld's post the height of irresponsibility. Being in a hospital can be frightening enough, even more so when you can't see the face of the person who's treating you. But as Aaron MacArthur reports, a unique project in Vancouver is helping ease those fears, especially for children, with a simple button. <laughs> Staff at St. Paul's Hospital taking selfies at work. Not for Instagram, for their uniforms. It all started when Gail Gumprich was tired of talking to patients from behind all her layers of PPE. I would much rather be speaking to my patient like this so they can see that I'm smiling and that they can use my facial cues to help them understand. I don't like that one. <laughs> Just by pinning her picture to her scrubs, patients had a reference point. Good enough. <laughs> a real person there behind the gown and the mask and the goggles. But as soon as I entered the room, even someone I'd seen several times, um, the patient looked directly at the photo and smiled and then looked at me. The veil of protective masks extends out into the public as well now. Without basic non-verbal communication cues, societal interactions can be more difficult. Researchers at the University of Maine studying masks in public and whether they are eroding people's trust in strangers. I think one of the things that, that we're already seeing and that we're going to have to rely on more are more exaggerated cues from the eyes and more exaggerated vocal cues because otherwise we're going to lose the ability to really communicate smoothly with others. With funding from St. Paul's Hospital Foundation, all frontline healthcare workers can have access to a printed photo to wear at work. A simple solution to extremely challenging working conditions. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. John Horgan has made it clear Hollywood actors will be treated like anyone else entering the country when film shoots eventually resume. They'll have to quarantine for 14 days. As the province moves to slowly reopen its economy, the movie industry will have to overcome a major hurdle. In a Facebook Live interview on Friday, BC's premier said there are no plans to exempt film and television production from the isolation period when they come into Canada. Much of the talent Although we have an outstanding infrastructure here, the workforce in the film and, and television sector here is second to none. Hollywood loves coming here because of the, the skilled workers, but they normally bring Hollywood talent with them, and they're going to have to self-isolate for 14 days if they want to work in British Columbia. 
The film industry, which employs about 70,000 people in B.C., is hoping to get back to work now that the province has unveiled its four-phase plan to restart the economy. For the second time in less than a week, a flight into Kelowna had a passenger that may have been exposed to COVID-19. According to the BC Centre for Disease Control, the person was on WestJet Flight 3387 from Calgary on May 5th. A week earlier, another WestJet flight from Calgary also had a passenger who may have been exposed to the virus. The BC CDC says passengers who may have been exposed should self-isolate for 14 days and monitor for symptoms. An update on the permanent closure of Army and Navy stores in Western Canada precipitated by the pandemic. It means some prime real estate may soon be up for sale. Four of the discount chain's five stores, including Vancouver, New Westminster, Calgary and Edmonton, are fully owned by the operator. The Langley Army and Navy is the only location President and CEO Jackie Cohen does not own. Cohen told Business in Vancouver last year that one of her proudest accomplishments was not selling her family's real estate holdings. Now that the stores will not reopen, it's unclear what will happen to the buildings. At the end of the day, um, you know, I kind of wondered not if, but when Jackie Cohen would really unlock the value of the real estate she has and the real, real value there. These are paid for poor buildings in prime areas not just of downtown Vancouver, but you could look at New West and other cities, uh, the value is not in running a retail department store. It's in uh, either residential or mixed use. Another Vancouver business is being forced to close its doors in part two to the pandemic. It's a small dry cleaning business, but the owners are using their time now to make masks. As Sarah McDonald reports, proceeds of the sales are going to a charity that helped them through another very difficult time in their lives, the loss of their young daughter. The road to getting here was an arduous and emotional one. For Victoria Doe, she and her husband now dedicating their days to making fabric masks in honor of their daughter, Shyla. Shyla was diagnosed with uh, rhabdomyosarcoma uh, at about age three, um, and she had undergone chemotherapy, radiation, and um, proton therapy um, for a tumor that was in her bladder and has had spread to her lungs. One of five siblings, Shyla spent most of her life fighting cancer. And it came back for the, the third time and at that time um, chemo treatments stopped working and um, she was deemed palliative. She died in December, just shy of her sixth birthday and just before the novel coronavirus transformed the world as we once knew it. My life turned upside down when Shia was diagnosed and since December and now when this all happened, like it feels like the whole world has turned upside down. That included another devastating blow to the family financially. Their Vancouver dry cleaning business forced to close due to COVID-19. We decided to shut down and we had all this fabric. So we said, well, maybe we'll make some masks for our family. I told one of my friends, he's like, can you make me a bunch for my family and friends and I'll buy them off you. And we always wanted to honor Charlotte in some way, so we thought, okay, why don't we do something in Charlotte's name? And that's exactly what they're doing now, producing washable, reusable masks by the hundreds for those who need them and donating the proceeds to an organization 
that helped them, childhood cancer family support. They provide uh, financial aids for families that have children with cancer or a blood disorder. Already, they've donated more than $2,200, and they plan to continue to give as much as they can for as long as they can. It just gives us hope. They say Shyla would have wanted them too. Sarah McDonald, Global News. And if you're interested in buying a mask, you can go to our website for Shyla's email address. We have an update on that breaking news we began with. The coroner is now confirming that one person has died in a fire at a marina on Vancouver Island. A large black plume of smoke seen billowing from the North Saanich Marina. A bystander says he heard an explosion at around 4 o'clock. Two boats were apparently involved. Two people taken to hospital. And while we can confirm, one person has died. No word yet on the cause of that fire. An East Vancouver resident is left rather puzzled after a bizarre theft from his front yard and it was caught on camera. Monday morning, a security camera captured someone in a minivan backing up, exiting the vehicle and walking onto the front yard before ripping out a tree. He had only planted the Japanese maple two years ago and never thought it would be stolen. He reported the theft to the VPD. Another summer-like day, and while health officials insist most people are following the safe distancing guidelines, it's obvious not everyone is. Numerous viewers contacted us about huge crowds again today at beaches, rivers, and parks across the region, including here at White Pine Beach in Belcaro Regional Park. And there have been big crowds also at Kitts Beach and along the Coquitlam River. The provincial health officer has encouraged people to get out and enjoy the sunshine, but at a safe distance from those not in your bubble. For the third time, a major contractor working on the Site C dam project has been hit with a six-digit WorkSafe BC fine. Peace River Hydro Partners, a consortium of companies that holds the main civil works contract for the mega project, has been fined $662,000. Infractions include, among other things, training and documentation, emergency facilities, chemical labeling and ventilation in a lab. In a statement, the consortium said it has since complied with all of the orders and undertook immediate steps to put operational improvements in place to prevent future occurrences. The lockdown has been a challenge for all of us, but for one group of Canadians, especially so. They are the crew members who have been stranded on cruise ships, some for more than seven weeks. Today, dozens arrived home. Abigail Beeman has their stories. The COVID-19 outbreak on the Diamond Princess gripped the world's attention. As outbreaks and deaths increased on ships, countries rallied to get their citizens home. But it's been nearly three months, and crew members are still trapped at sea, according to The Guardian, 100,000 worldwide. Canada's Foreign Affairs Minister tweeted 75 Canadians arrived home this weekend. In total, 56 days. Holland America paid for a charter that flew Lynn Levesque and others to Toronto. She heads home to Fredericton Sunday after an experience so unusual, she and some colleagues planned to get tattoos one day. We had built up some really, really uh, strong relationship together. And uh, we wanted to have something to uh, have a memory. In those last like two weeks, I was very much like, screw this, get me out of here. Hunter Peddle says he's lucky staff were allowed to sleep in guest rooms. And while he stayed optimistic, even in those nice rooms, self-isolation was tough by the end, with rumors flying and no clear way to get home. I was making jokes like, oh, this whole us going to the Emerald Princess is planned like 
T or U now, like we're on like plan like 17, like every day it would change. Things looked much different a few months ago. Pedal works in entertainment. To stay sane during social distancing, he kept working. Now for his crew. We just like hosted a TV show for all of the crew. We do like little call-in events. So we do little trivia. they call in for it. The months-long ordeal didn't turn Pedal off from getting back on the job eventually. Places I've seen, the people that I've met, the experience I've gained. Like, no, I'm I'm, I'm 100% going to go back. Global Affairs is still tracking at least 200 Canadian crew members on some 70 ships worldwide. And despite the health concerns a virus presents in closed quarters, some large cruise companies are still planning to relaunch as early as August. Abigail Beeman, Global News, Ottawa. A COVID-19 outbreak has hit another Cargill meatpacking plant, this one near the city hardest hit by the outbreak, Montreal. The company says 64 workers, more than 10% of its staff, have the virus. According to the union, everyone else will be tested by the end of the week. Work is now wrapping up at the facility, which is expected to temporarily close starting Wednesday. Cargill just reopened its beef packing plant in southern Alberta, where more than 900 of its employees became infected and one died. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson has unveiled his government's roadmap as it prepares to relax its strict lockdown measures. I know, you know, that it would be madness now to throw away that achievement by allowing a second spike. We must stay alert. We must continue to control the virus and save lives. Addressing the nation, Johnson outlined the changes, including easing restrictions on how long people are allowed to exercise outside, encouraging people to go back to work. Johnson says if all goes well, shops and some schools could open by June. America now has recorded more than 1.3 million COVID-19 cases and more than 80,000 fatalities. And now, after his aide tested positive, Vice President Mike Pence says he plans to only keep his distance for a few days. Dr. Anthony Fauci, on the other hand, along with two other members of the task force handling the pandemic in the U.S., are now in quarantine after several members of the White House staff tested positive for the illness. And as Jennifer Johnson reports, it highlights how little control there is over the virus in that part of the world. COVID-19 has reached the inner circle of the White House. Centers for Disease Control Director Dr. Robert Redfield, Food and Drug Administration Head Dr. Stephen Hahn, and the country's lead infectious disease doctor, Anthony Fauci, are all self-isolating. Further proof of how difficult this virus is to control. We have to understand that we're riding this tiger, we're not directing it. This virus is going to do what it's going to do. What we can do is only nibble at the edges. Fauci and the others will now have to testify before a Senate Health Committee this week via video teleconference. When people do get exposed to the virus, if they know it, they should self-quarantine to protect others from getting it. And that's the process we've been we've been doing from day one. Last week, two people with daily access to the West Wing, Katie Miller, Vice President Mike Pence press secretary, and one of President Trump's valets, who served some of his meals, tested positive for COVID-19. That forced major changes. The president and I not only will be tested every day, but I think everyone that comes into contact uh, with the president will be tested uh, uh, every day. White House staff are now reportedly wearing masks, but no one at a joint chiefs of staff meeting Saturday with the president had one on. Meanwhile, as Americans grow restless and more stay-at-home orders are relaxed, new outbreaks are emerging, including one in Pasadena, California, stemming from a large birthday party. 
Large gatherings are still not allowed under that state's rules. I extend caution uh, to other families that think, well, we got this, uh, this is behind us. It's sadly and tragically not. Other governors who have reopened their states are being forced to take drastic actions. All city beaches in Naples, Florida, have been ordered to shut down again after people refuse to socially distance themselves. Lawmakers still fearing this virus, even as some Americans do not. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington. Tesla CEO Elon Musk is threatening to move his company out of California due to the state's stay-at-home orders. Public health officials said Tesla does not have the green light to restart vehicle production at its main U.S. car plant in the city of Fremont. Musk posted on Twitter this weekend that the company is preparing to file a lawsuit against the county. This is not the first time Musk has criticized COVID-19 lockdown restrictions meant to slow the spread of the virus. He previously called the restrictions, quote, fascist. The Chinese city of Wuhan, where the new coronavirus was discovered, has recorded its first new infection in more than five weeks. Daily life in the city began returning to normal in early April after a two-month lockdown. The case in Wuhan is among more than a dozen new confirmed cases countrywide. China has reported more than 83,000 cases of COVID-19 since the outbreak began last December. Most were in Wuhan and surrounding Hubei province. Disneyland in Shanghai is set to reopen tomorrow and is already sold out for its first day. The theme park will open with a limited number of visitors. Capping attendance is one of the new measures during the pandemic, along with buying tickets in advance and social distancing in lines, restaurants and on rides. No date has been set for the U.S. Disney parks to reopen. Some analysts suggest it likely won't be until next year at least. Seoul, South Korea is experiencing what Dr. Bonnie Henry is trying to, very hard to avoid here. CDC said at least 54 cases have been identified in connection to a slew of nightclubs and bars. The outbreak has prompted Seoul to impose an immediate temporary shutdown of all nightly entertainment facilities. This comes just as the country had eased some social distancing restrictions and is seeking to fully reopen schools and businesses. And today, South Korea reported another 34 new cases, the highest daily number in a month. Not taking any chances, hundreds of Germans got to the party started last night at a drive-in rave. Cars limited to two, person, two people per vehicle parked in rows in front of a DJ who blasted out tunes. Lasers, glow sticks, confetti and a whole lot of horn honking set the mood while people observed government-imposed physically distancing measures. Organizers said the atmosphere was electric, satisfying people's craving for a rave. Good for them. Yvonne, another breathtaking day on the South Coast. It was fantastic for Mother's Day. A very happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Hope you enjoyed the day. We've had uh, temperatures soaring. It was another record-breaking day. Day three for many areas and those numbers in just a moment. If you're closer to the water, it was a touch cooler, but areas away from the water today feeling into the 30s. It was a scorcher and, yes, record-breaking for a few areas. The usual spots, Victoria, Squamish, and pushing into the Fraser Valley for Abbotsford. 
for hot for many areas in the interior with the soils up to 26 degrees and for the central interior today squamish a new record up to 30 degrees the old record was last year at 28 white rock bumped up to 29 degrees an old record back in 1941 abbotsford up to 29 today in areas near victoria the third day of record-breaking heat 27.7 the old record was 25.3 a couple of photos to share with you amanda sent this in her dad um, is in burnaby as on a construction site and they had a happy mother's day sign out there gabriola island the sunrise this morning that was captured by lucas fantastic pit meadows the scenery today taken by ray and bowen island by raffle so thank you so much some stunning photos uh, for today and what we enjoyed over the weekend with the heat now we are going to see more cloud cover Different weather picture is going to push in for tomorrow, but it is going to remain dry. Most of the cloud cover building overnight for tomorrow, mainly cloudy sky. And then late tomorrow evening and overnight, the next round of rain and moisture is going to push in. That'll be our transition day and then on and off showers for Tuesday onwards. But the bulk of the rain is going to push in late day, so it'll still be fairly dry for Monday, but a fair bit of cloud cover. Temperatures are also going to cool off. The average for this time of the year sits at 15 degrees. We'll get there slowly over the next few, but a heads up for Will. Williams Lake and many spots into the central interior with the heat that we've been seeing over the weekend and the snow melt. Do check in with the BC River Forecast Centre. The flood concern flood watch is for the Middle Fraser, High Stream Flow Advisory, Shushwap, the Nicola, Okanagan, all included within that. Check in over the next few days for the latest details. The northern half of the province, temperature still bumping up. A fair bit of sunshine, it'll brighten up along the coast for Prince Rupert, getting up to 20 degrees. Northeastern corners will see more cloud cover for the morning, sunshine by the afternoon. Much of the central interior, it's pleasant with highs up to 17. And much of the southern interior, another dry day. It'll be Tuesday with more cloud cover showers rolling in. But a hot one for Kamloops, still bumping up to 24 degrees. All areas across the south coast, mainly cloud. It'll be the northern and western edge of the island by the afternoon. Some showers could pop up or for the early evening and then all areas across the south coast. We'll see some wet weather overnight. Unsettled, a very different weather picture. It'll be cooler. A break is on the way. We will see some on and off showers as we get in towards our Tuesday onwards. And then we will see a temperature still quite warm for tomorrow. Colleen? Oh, it's better than what's happening in the eastern Canada anyway. Yes, no snow here. No kidding. Thanks so much, Yvonne. A seaside show this week for a family off Salt Spring Island. Have a look. <laughs> A pot of orcas just meters away surrounded their boat and played, much to the delight of the family. This week, the government of Canada introduced new measures to protect these beautiful creatures. They include turning engines off to neutral for any vessels within 400 meters of a killer whale. Also, any fish finders or echo sounders must be turned off to ensure the animals can communicate without competing sounds. Um, I, I sometimes wonder if we should have our echo sounders turned off so that we can <laughs> communicate without competing. Never Pretty amazing. It's like a Jacques Cousteau could have did better than that. That's gorgeous. Incredible. Especially with the sunshine. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. What's coming up there? Uh, well, it's Mother's Day and maybe the, the mother of all hockey moments happened exactly 50 years ago today in 1970. It was a Sunday, Mother's Day, and it's uh, kind of being celebrated. So I know we're all missing hockey, so we'll look back and show you that i think most people can guess what i'm talking about but we'll keep it a surprise if you can't think of it right now and uh, more and more of the sports are slowly opening up the raptors 
are going to be able to start uh, individual workouts tomorrow in Toronto. So wow. it's like spring. The flowers are just starting to open in the sporting world. Love it. A shark bit a French tourist in Australia this week. Local media reports said the 23-year-old punched the shark twice when it attacked him at Bells Beach near Melbourne. A videographer who was on a cliff nearby to film another surfer started recording the incident as he heard screams. The tourist was treated for punctures and lacerations to his leg. A surfer in the waters off Northern California was sadly not so lucky. Officials say the 26-year-old was surfing with others Saturday when he was attacked at Sand Dollar Beach in Santa Cruz County, about 90 meters from shore. The beach, one mile north and south of the attack, will be closed for the next five days. Well, from the dangers of the water to fire, despite the pandemic, work is underway in the Okanagan to prepare for the forest fire season. The Union of BC Municipalities granted the District of Peachland $100,000, that is, to help mitigate fire risk on private properties in interface areas. The goal is to remove dry pine needles, brush and trees within the 10-meter radius of homes. Residents are also thinning and trimming pine trees to the first branches so that they are at least two meters off the ground. Well, it's no surprise the pandemic has prompted many would-be home buyers and sellers in B.C. to put their real estate plans on hold. The South Okanagan in particular is reporting a dramatic drop in sales. But as Shelby Tom reports, it's not the same story for prices. More of these usually spring up on the lawns of homes every spring, but this is no usual year. The coronavirus pandemic is prompting many prospective buyers and sellers to hit the pause button. There was a concern around having strangers in your home, so we really saw the, the listing inventory decrease quite significantly. COVID-19 having a dramatic impact on the real estate market during the first full month of pandemic-related restrictions as sales plummeted. According to the South Okanagan Real Estate Board, 29 single-family homes sold in April, a 71% decrease from the same time last year. Only six condos were purchased in the South Okanagan last month, a whopping 80 decline over April 2019 and 19 townhouses sold in April, an increase of 6% over the same time last year. COVID-19 is also changing the way people buy and sell homes. In the past you might have gone to look for, look at six houses. Well now you're going to look more in depth at those houses online through virtual live tours, through virtual open houses and try and narrow down what your interests are. While sales activity and inventory Inventory has declined, the market hasn't seen big price drops yet. The average price of a single-family home in the South Okanagan is $643,000, up 26% over the same month last year. Condos are going for $304,000 on average, an increase of 6% over April 2019, while the average price of a townhome remains fairly steady at $372,000, a drop of 3%. As the economy reopens and physical distancing restrictions are relaxed, real estate watchers say pent-up demand and low interest rates could reinvigorate the market. I think that as more people get comfortable what, with what the future is starting to look like, they will be more comfortable with putting their houses on the market. Shelby Tom, Global News. Well, it's, it's like I said, like, it is like spring. We're just starting to see things are, this is the very first few steps. I think we're still a ways away from games, but there's hope.
Thank you, Colleen. We're still waiting for NHL teams to open their training facilities on a limited basis, but they've already started in the NBA, and the Toronto Raptors will be able to use team facilities for individual workouts starting tomorrow. The Raptors have not played a game since March 9th. The league shut down March 11th, so it's been a full two months of inactivity. The NBA has not made any definitive decisions on when they hope to restart their season. They say they can wait another month when they hopefully will have a better idea of the health landscape. Raps have the third best record in the NBA at 46 and 18 and are a contender again. The Whitecaps are expected to open their training facility very soon for individual workouts. Of course, most European soccer leagues are revving up to return to action in just a few short weeks. MLS will certainly be much longer than that. But in the interim, the Whitecaps have led the way with some very innovative fundraising efforts. Hats off to new CEO Mark Panis, whose Protective Mask Initiative has raised over a million dollars for the Vancouver Aquarium, and they've aided local food banks to the tune of $100,000 with their frontline workers print. In a way, that teamwork off the pitch has brought the team closer together, even though they've had to remain apart during the stoppage. It's amazing to see a city come together, and it shows you what we have here in Vancouver and what type of people are here. And it's a, it's a true testament to them as well, because coming together in a time like this to support those who, who really need our support and to put those workers that who are in the front line in the highlight, make, they're the heroes during this time. And, you know, I'm just happy to be a part of these initiatives. And, and you know, it's, it's memories that I'll carry with me for the rest of my life. It's hard to imagine, you know, things going even closely back to normal, but you know, they have plans for a return. You know, it's still in the early stages, in the phase one stage. And, you know, the plans are quite vague, but, um, you know, we're, we're taking steps in the right direction. That's all we can really ask for. Well, tennis has not made any announcements when they hope to return to the courts, but some news today. The French Open was to have started later this month in Paris. It was one of the first tournaments to postpone and then reschedule. Right now, the French Open is scheduled now for late September. Today, the president of the French Tennis Federation said there is a chance the tournament would be held without fans, and it could even start a week later. It's still four months away, so plenty of time to make these decisions. But again, sports slowly starting its comeback worldwide. Well, we all miss hockey badly, and right now we should be starting the conference finals. Fifty years ago today, Bobby Orr provided one of the most iconic moments in hockey history when he scored in overtime to give the Bruins the Stanley Cup over the St. Louis Blues. Orr fights to keep it in, does, has it in the corner to Sanderson. Back in front door, shot, scores! Bobby Orr from Sanderson! And what could be better than that? As they St. Louis, four to three. Orr to Sanderson, back to Orr, and they go wild. And Orr fell down in the corner, and they have surrounded them. And the gang's all here. Time for our nightly thank you to our BC Healthcare heroes. Yvonne, who is it tonight? Tonight we're honoring Randy Greer. Randy is a nurse in the surgery ward at BC Women's Hospital. Randy works with an amazing team of doctors and nurses that continue to work throughout covid conducting surgeries for women that cannot wait for the pandemic to be over. Randy is a mother of two little girls, so happy Mother's Aww. Day, Randy. And thank you and your team for all that you do. If you have a healthcare hero to nominate, email us a few photos at description to bchealthcareheroes at globalnews.ca and tell us why they are you, your hero. Yes, happy Mother's Day to you for sure. Okay, uh, Britain's Prince Harry shared a surprise message on what would have been the opening day of the Invictus Games. 
As we commemorate VE Day this weekend and pay tribute to the service and sacrifice of the entire Second World War generation, we should have also been gathering together in the Netherlands to kickstart the Invictus Games 2020 in The Hague. In the poignant message, the Duke of Sussex urged those involved in the now-postponed games to look out for each other during these challenging times. The Invictus Games, an international sporting event for Army veterans, was due to take place in the Netherlands from May 9th to 16th. It has since been postponed to next year. During the message, the 35-year-old prince, who has relocated uh, to Los Angeles, and his son Archie, also admitted that life has changed dramatically for all. And that includes for one of television's most popular TV shows, which has been doing a home version since the lockdown began. And last night, Prince Harry and Meghan, along with Vancouver, were mentioned. I like to think about three months ago when everyone was so worried about Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. <laughs> oh, my God. You're free, guys. No one cares who pays for your Vancouver security detail anymore. <laughs> Tina Fey guest starring in one of the show skits last night. She goes on to say that it feels like it was so long ago that she doesn't remember if Harry and Meghan even had eyes. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a very cute skit. Um, we have a very special announcement. We want to share some very happy news about our family here at Global BC. Global News Morning host Sonia Sunger and her husband Chris welcomed their first baby on Friday. Sonia says she is celebrating the perfect Mother's Day gift, bringing baby Hugo home from the hospital today. He was born weighing seven pounds, 10 ounces, and Sonia says, we can't stop staring at him. We are so in love. What a little cutie. Congrats, Sanger. And looking at that photo, I can understand why you've been looking at him all day. You don't need to take your eyes off of him. He's adorable. Oh, any advice uh, for new parents, Barry? Uh, I think actually, you know what, the first year is, is, is always scary from the start, but it gets easier as you go. Once they start running around, that's, that's when he, he got some trouble. Yeah, so by and about... Little Hugo is going to be a trouble. No, <laughs> The name like Hugo, it's a great Hugo name. a go-go. Yeah, and the parents are both absolutely spectacularly beautiful, so <laughs> I have no doubt that Hugo will be as well.